0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Call Your Hits, a Stormrider's Airsoft podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today, I'm joined by another member of our community, Matt, a.k.a. the Storm Wizard. Matt comes from the West Coast of the United States, and he's got a really unique and fun approach to Airsoft, which is what got me interested in talking to him, Um, and he's got a really cool background as well, so I'm really thrilled to have you with us today. I'm I'm really glad to be able to have this conversation.
1: Thanks, Bill. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I love Airsoft. It's so much fun, and it's like something I've done for so long, like as a little kid, right? I played uh, Thirteen, fourteen-year-old with some springers in the backyard, and then coming back literally twenty years later to find that sport so advanced, it's really, really fun and interesting.
0: So you started that young, hey? Airsoft was already on the go when you were. I, I'm, I'm guessing we're roughly uh, the same age, right? So
1: yeah, it was, it was literally. Oh, let's see, it was twenty years ago. It was early two thousand, right? My little brother and I both got a pair of like clear spring Desert Eagles. Nice. We pointed <laughs> each other across the uh, across the yard, and there were some larger ones like we had a spring shotgun and some other pistols and like a, an LP AEG, right. The little bitty handheld, uh, it looked like a baby MP5. Mm-hmm. And it was perfect for like our backyard shenanigans. Right. And, uh, and then it, we fell out of interest with it. as We became older teenagers and learned about girls and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. And yep. then,
1: uh, later on, uh, after I got out of the army, I was just waddling around someday. And it's like, Hey, do you want to go airsoft? like, yeah, let's go airsofting. that's great. And I did it with a bunch of work dudes. And now, uh, now it's my hobby of choice.
0: So how long ago would that have been that you sort of picked it up again?
1: Oh, let's see. This has been, this is 2022. So, oh, it's been a minute now. I started up again probably two and a half years ago. Uh, I was working at a Toyota dealership and uh, just one of the guys is like, hey, everybody, you want to pay 20 bucks and go rent this place out? And we did. And I had a blast. And there we go. That's awesome. So
0: uh, in the community that you play in now, like, do you have like a lot of different fields? Is it a very large community? Like how, uh, how is that
1: for you uh, guys? There's one field that I usually play at. There's three others within reasonable driving distance. Uh, I would say like an hour and a half, two hours at most. Uh, and then we have the one outdoor and the two indoors or three indoors rather. And I've never actually played at the outdoor. So I've only ever done uh CQB and some slightly longer range CQB in a in a very large warehouse, mm-hmm. but uh, never a true outdoor game.
0: Right on. So you you talk about that uh, that that gap in time, that period in time, and you mentioned that you were uh, you were in the army. So so how long did you serve?
1: Uh, I did eight years in the U.S. Army as a medic. I was uh, enlisted in two thousand eight, uh, right in the middle of Afghanistan and Iraq. So there was a lot of stuff going on. I deployed to Afghanistan twice in oh. In the end of 08 to 9, and then in 11 to 12. And then after I got out of the army, I became a mechanic. And that's what I've been doing for the last six years.
0: Awesome. So when you saw Airsoft, was there an appeal to you, uh, an appeal for you there, like based on your your previous history? Is that something that you connected the dots on?
1: Uh, Yeah. Like there was obviously some things that, like, they handed me the M4 rifle uh, replica, right? And I knew where all the switches were, everything fit. It was, even had the the exact same like setup that mine had. And I pulled my grip pod out of my pocket. And I'm like, yes, click. And I put it on there and I went around. And uh, and it definitely gives you a slightly different uh, perspective and like pull on it. Like To me, it was like going back to a sport I hadn't done in a long time with some new friends and trying out something new, but it was like a lighter version. I guess it's a lot like the pro baseball player like going to play softball and just enjoying it with their friends, I feel. Mm-hmm. But also like, a little bit different because the skills don't transfer as much as you'd hope.
0: Yeah, so actually, that's a question that I had for you. Like, what did you find did transfer, and what was just like completely like out of left field for you?
1: Well, obviously, like weapons manipulation is is a big one. That's the easiest thing in the world for me to unload an M9 or an M4 and reload it and be ready to go again and have the magazines. Like, uh, I started out with my chest rig where it is. or right? I have a vest. I have a full plate carrier set up just like my body armor back in the day, where we had the three pouches. And we were all dressed right dressed, and we all had everything set up the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where naturally I put my magazines when I started out again. Uh, and I just got a, whatever plate carrier, I, I got caught up in like everything, the world ending at some point in my life. I have my own civilian plate carrier. I've got plates. And, uh, so I pulled the plates out. I put training plates in cause I wasn't going to run around with an extra 20 pounds for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, as you know, it affects the fit of the vest. Yeah. And, uh, and so I set it up originally like I had set up everything in the military. I tried to put my pistol up here and then have my pouches here and then my grenade up here. And, and I hated that honestly, because it was set up for a right-handed infantry soldier in the 10th mountain division. And that's what like, I'm not right. I'm yeah. not in the army anymore. I could set up things my own way. And so once I got comfortable, like with just adjusting a little bit, then everything felt natural again, like right as rain. Uh, but as far as like tactics and cover and stuff like that, it's an entirely different world. Cause I would never, never in a million years go in a real gunfight and think I'm going to hide right behind this hollow core door. Right. <laughs> and never gonna get to
0: yeah.
1: And you know, on the airsoft field, we literally have a piece of mesh netting that you can stand on one side and the other, guy can stand on the other and you can wave at each other. And the only thing anybody can do is stab somebody, yeah. which is why I carry a plastic knife. Like because otherwise, <laughs> like it's literally just a mesh net that's your cover. Right. And so that, that changes everything you can just pop up and in, in and out. And it doesn't matter if they see you because you can pop out in another direction while they're, clinking off a window instead of blowing holes. In it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we talked about that in some of the videos where it's like, well, yeah, cover is... You know, if you read like manuals and stuff to get your, your information on how to, how to use cover and all this kind of stuff. Well, they're meant to stop bullets. Like, like you said, any sort of door, a wooden pallet, like a piece of thin plastic, like bring it on. Here in Newfoundland, we have a lot of fishery. So one of the things we see frequently, I know in the States like you might see like wire spools. Here we see fish tubs, like these large plastic fish tubs that they've used in ice and fish and stuff like that. Yeah, that's great cover. I don't know that I would do that in real life. Not, not that I have any right. experience, but for Airsoft it's awesome. And it's like chest high, so you don't have to like go pro and you just sort of have to tuck down behind it. Exactly. So, uh, looking at, so I guess one of the things that was interesting when we got talking is like some people, when they, they get out of the service or what have you, or even when they're in the service, they look to replicate sort of their experiences with Airsoft. And that's not at all the direction that you went when you started playing Airsoft, right? And we talked about that a little bit, but uh, I mean, it's interesting to me that for you, it's been like CQC and just, I guess for lack of better term, like fooling around, right? Having a, having a great time.
1: Yeah, because uh, it is CQB. Uh, my first thought was that camo wasn't gonna be especially helpful. It's a warehouse we usually play in. Camouflage does not come into it. We all use flashlights, we all have traces, we all have IR or uh, light up indicators that we're wearing, right? Mm-hmm. Camouflage doesn't come into it, but still people wear multicam or they wear, uh, my team likes jungle stripe. I do have a set of jungle stripes and I do have a set of multicams for when we do team stuff and wanna work together, But in the meantime, I didn't see any reason why not to wear my most comfortable clothing or stuff that I really enjoyed, you know, being me in. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the thing is, I don't make any choices that affect my combat effectiveness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never carried or like I got the shotgun because it was interesting, but I don't like put a bunch of stuff hanging off of it because it, it might actually get in my way, right? Or I make sure that, yeah, I love my blind shirts but I need to make sure I can get my pistol belt over it properly. And it's not going to hang up and cover any of my gear,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but you know, we're, we're going out and we're playing a a great game that I really enjoy so much. But it isn't as serious as a lot of people take it. And especially in a situation where I'm not gaining any tactical advantage or strategic advantage from dressing up in my camis and all that stuff, then I'm not going to bother because I had to do that for eight years and it's not fun anymore. Yeah, that's uh, right. Like that's it. That is a thing you run into in in the military. And some people really, really love it. And some people like me, I grade it against me is that everybody takes everything super duper serious, you guys. At least as far as uniforms and weapons and all that stuff go. And so there was never any kind of, like, we were never comfortable. We were never the dudes in stripes with the shirts open and all that stuff, right? We all Mm -hmm. had to look exactly the same because we were putting out a hearts and minds campaign. And we wanted to look like the good guys all the time. And that meant looking a certain way. And I'm all looking the same too.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and so I, I guess part of that is I want to reach out and embrace my individual Like I'm not just another soldier anymore. I am an important member of a small team. Uh, I'm the guy who pushes I'm the guy who rushes. I, I bring, I want to have fun with my friends. Right. Uh, and not just try to improve my tactics. Like I got plenty of tactics. I got strategy, whatever, man. I don't want to do that. anymore. I want to have fun with my friends.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, when I asked you, because it's so funny, because of the internet, like, you know, people's handles, but you don't necessarily know their names. And I asked you what your name was. And you said, I'm Matt. And you showed me a picture of yourself with a hat that said, I'm Matt on it. And like, that, that speaks volumes, I think, to I mean, like, just embracing who you are, number one, but also like, if you're Matt, then people can come talk to you, right? Like, it's not this like, Oh no, he's, he was in the army. He's super serious. Like we can't, I'm not, you know, and this real mentality of like, I'm not cool enough to talk to that guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are like, that is something you sometimes have to break down, especially like there'll be younger kids there and they just, they hear from the other guys like, Oh, that guy is a vet. He, he did real stuff back in the day. And they're like, Oh dude, you seem so cool. I'm like, nah, dude, I'm just a dude. I did the job. It happened. Now I just want to go shoot you with some plastic and you shoot me with some plastic. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also though gives me an opportunity though. Cause they'll walk up and be like, Hey, what should I do? And I don't think about army stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I know you're, they're asking me because of that, but I'm like, no, you know, I've played airsoft for a couple of years now and I do know what you should be doing in this situation. So I'll go ahead and help you out. And I'm like, see, cause we'll play it this way. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then they'll take off. And after a while you break that and it, it's fun.
0: mm mm-hmm. And I, I think too, what's interesting is like you say, well, they ask you and you know, because you've played airsoft and you, not because you were necessarily in the military, right? And in point of fact, I think we talked to Cal about that as well. Cause I mean, he's, he's, you know, actively serving and it's like what you would do in the military is not what you should do on the airsoft field in a lot of cases, right?
1: Oh yeah. Like, well, you know, great example. Like I, we have this mansion in our one place that we love to have as a basic, like assault the mansion. We do like a Benghazi style. And in every other situation, like if I had come across that mansion in the field, I would have called for artillery, or I would have been like, hey, somebody bring an A10 and just shoot this thing up. We're not messing with <laughs> it, right? <laughs> yeah. But instead we get to have that no man, you know, that that last man climb the hill scenario where we're throwing grenades and getting blasted and everybody's having a great time though. And so that's that's entirely I love that. That's one of my favorite parts is is just how silly it can get and everybody lives their favorite war game scenarios, right?
0: Mm-hmm so uh, when you say like you have played at the outdoor field uh, where you play have you done any larger games like milsim games or uh...
1: i haven't yet no i it's something i look forward to doing and to be entirely frank when i first started listening to your podcast it seemed odd to me that you guys were talking about full auto so often because nowhere in california lets you full auto really Uh, nowhere that i've considered playing it that i know of except in like special rounds or with dedicated machine guns mm-hmm. and at certain you know minimum engagement distances and all that and only like burst fire. And so when you guys are like, yeah, when I go through all this ammo, I'm like, how do I go through like 700 rounds in like four hours? I'm like, Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense now.
0: Yeah. Well, to be fair, I just shoot a lot. I, I don't use full auto. I just use semi, but I just pull the trigger. A lot. Now, other people, they use, well, for us, like we've talked about, like, at our field, if you have full auto, like, fill your boots, and it's kind of cool, though, because I think for people who are just starting out, especially, like, younger kids, get them, like, they're using, like, a rental gun that's, like, you know, not upgraded at all, it's stock, it's, poor thing is barely run <laughs> like, holding together, right. and you're saying, like, flick it to, and they're shooting, like, point twos. and you're, like, switch it to auto and just let her rip, and they're, like, oh, my God, this is the best day ever, and, like, they're not hurting anybody, but it's, yeah, I can, uh, I can see that being sort of a miss, like if they if they didn't have that. But yeah, I can understand uh, both ways too.
1: Uh, yeah, like I, I can actually see that working a lot because you know, as you know, rental gear is is, is atrocious, mm-hmm. and there will be a lot of times when somebody you can see them starting to like in the second or third round. We only run like twenty minute ma- matches, right? In the second or third round, you'll see somebody starting to slumpy, you. will be like, "Hey, dude, what's what's going on?" They're like, oh, my rental gear, dude," and like you just swap it out, and you can see their whole their whole day change, which is like I guess the same thing It's like instead of an auto switch, I have to let them use my good stuff. Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it's interesting though, what, what, uh, coming back to like your, what you were saying about like your individuality and people not taking it too seriously. And I, I really like what you're saying about like not letting it interfere with your, your ability to perform, but still just understanding what are the things that, you know what, I don't need to be doing this. It's not getting me any advantage or conversely, it's not, giving me a disadvantage to do it that way. Was that a trial and error thing for you or did you just decide one day, you know what, it, I'm doing it?
1: Uh, well, no, like from the very beginning when I decided I was gonna be silly, I decided it was not gonna impact the way I play because mm-hmm. I had a boy who, or my boy, my uh, partner from Toyota, who is the one who got me, a bunch of other stuff. But anyways, my best friend, and, and we went and played together and formed a team, Mudville Six Millimeter, kind of inside stock and joke, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so i didn't want to let him down so i needed to make sure that i was still performing well so that was never even consideration like i'm not going to do something like yeah i love my poncho but i'm not going to go running around in the field with a poncho because it affects my ability to manipulate everything so everything i do is either just entirely cosmetic or does it, it has a minimal impact on like my effectiveness like instead of uh a ach or a fast one or anything i have a polish m27 helmet right
0: <laughs> that's awesome
1: or a p27 and, and like because i was gonna wear a helmet either way it didn't matter what i wore because i'm not looking to mount anything on it. i not can't afford that crap and if i could then i could afford to put a clamp on my helmet right mm-hmm. and it's hilarious to me because every time i get shot it rings like a bell yeah and i think that's funniest. that's the funniest thing in the world for me right and i'm like ah, you shot me in that oh, off i go uh <laughs> But there was a period of time where I had a bad setup of scope mount and scope, and I was whacking the helmet a lot, and so it would just ring and annoy me a lot. And I seriously considered giving it up until I realized what was going on with my scope. Mm-hmm. Uh, point is, I love my helmet, but if it got in the way of me performing well, I wouldn't wear it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting that you can you can do that and still have sort of the silliness. Like, I mean, we we often talk about. Uh, you know, like the camo effectiveness and gear effectiveness and stuff. But, like, you also have to know your field and you have to understand, like, when, when are you going to have fun? And, I mean, I've worn Alpenflage, and like we've talked about before, I, that stuff is useless here in Newfoundland. Like, I mean, we don't have red. We don't have close to red in our terrain like it's you know, it's brown and green and that's basically that's basically it like we wore multicam for years and you could just it was just like wearing a, you might as well be wearing a lighthouse like it's just oh there he is right no problem so it, it, but I, I like this um this notion of like understanding where the limitations are right like being like oh yeah well this is holding me back or it's not and taking it you don't have to take it the full way of like wearing a onesie or whatever where you're tripping over your feet or whatever either right but like what is the weirdest thing or what is the most uh unique thing that you've broke broken out at a field and gone like you know what <laughs> maybe this is too much like it's it's holding me back or it was a little extra uh,
1: a few times i i threw my m4 on my back and carried my shotgun and threw both of my pistol belts on because i wanted to be entirely extra <laughs> uh, like specifically when we were defending that mansion And I know that's going to be my game type. I'll take everything I have and I'll just fire and fire and throw the gun aside and then grab my next one and keep firing. Yeah. Uh, But that's really, really useless when we do uh, a different kind of objective, like bomb delivery or whatever. And I'm running across the map and I'm like, why am I carrying four guns? This is the (laughs) dumbest thing. Uh, A few times I've had shirts that just didn't fit right that I thought would be good. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, then I buttoned them up once I got there and I realized I couldn't move my arms or anything. And so I just play in whatever my undershirt was. But that's about the closest to it. Fortunately, there, there's another thing in my background. Like we, we, when I do my ready ups, I check, put on all my gear and make sure I can kneel and go supine and prone and everything and move around properly. And so before I ever get to a field, I usually realize that something's not going to work.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's a great point. And especially like taking a knee and going supine, that's not something that, I mean, in airsoft, especially like, are you really going to go supine on purpose a whole lot? Like probably not, but I mean, you may, and if you do, you should probably make sure that stuff is not like, you know crank, crank your back or something because you got a small pack or whatever. Right.
1: Uh, yeah. And you know, it, it is a very, like I said, it's a small issue arena, but there's plenty of space to get running up to a full sprint. Mm-hmm. And when you have, thousands and thousands of babies all over the floor that also tend with you in interesting positions like i've gone to go assault somebody as i went to turn the corner instead i fell down slid across the floor shot them anyway uh but i didn't have the opportunity to get up i got shot a few more times uh but you know you're never entirely sure how you're going to end up lying so it's a good idea to be sure yeah Uh, and i I, i'll full disclosure here i originally meant uh prone Mm -hmm. because i do go prone occasionally just to confuse people when you pop out from the bottom of the cover and you're like ha they're like oh no what <laughs> yeah and they like, sometimes they'll even take a while like you'll have three dudes run by and you'll pop them all off and they'll be like looking at like sweeping chest high chest high and you'll like just pick them off
0: that's interesting you don't think about the uh, pro at all like in, in cqc and like we've talked before that we don't do a whole lot of cqc on our fields because well one of the fields at like the village is all technically cqc but it's outdoors So this whole idea of, like, rolling on BBs is not something that is an issue for us. But you don't really think about people going prone in CQC and coming around a corner at, like, you know, six inches off the deck instead of, you know, a full person or even chest height. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, like, it's also, like, as we're talking, I'm really thinking about, like, gear positioning and stuff like that and how... If you're not, if you're not thinking about it, like your gear positioning can cause injury. If you're, if you have an accident or you have something that happens. And, uh, I don't know if I talked about that in, in a previous podcast, but I broke a rib playing airsoft. I didn't even realize that I did. And that was full as a result of me wearing a plate carrier with a trading plate and mags on the front. When I, I, I sneezing really hard. Well, and sneezing really hard, yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, you know, you your feet catch on something you don't necessarily know, and then suddenly you're going face first into the deck, and you crush your plate, uh, you crush your chest with the plates that you're carrying or whatever. I could see that happening. Like guys who wear like. um, like a small pack or like their uh like their hpa tank for example on the smaller their back or something if you were to fall backwards i mean you could certainly uh injure yourself that way too so i mean it's a, it's a fair point but anyways it's a bit of a downer we don't need to talk about airsoft injuries that's uh, less fun than we're than we're getting in for
1: well you know that actually does lead into fun areas because there are fun airsoft injuries which you show off later on way down <laughs> the road yeah right? well, it, it's a fun story now that we can talk about your boy getting a uh, BB in his lip or whatever, or the fact that my fingernail literally just grew back after six months because I got, took a shot right here. Oh, no way. And Like right between the nail and, and the and the flesh. So I couldn't really drain it properly. And that blood blister moved out and I lost my nail about a month ago. And it just like the end of it there. It was, it was a whole weird thing. It was pokey. It was terrible. But it was funny because people would be like, oh, dude, what happened? Like I want airsofting. You want to come with me? <laughs>
0: yes. We- yeah. I remember one person we invited once came out uh, she came out to, to a game and the first thing, that no, he came out to a game and first thing that happened uh, is he got his tooth shot out and I was like, oh, so you're going to play again? And he's like, meh, probably not. It's like, yeah, that's, uh, that's legit. I don't blame you. So oh, no. given your background, do you end up like um, treating people or like uh, helping people with their injuries that they invariably suffer while running around like crazy people?
1: Yeah, but I never like, I never put myself up as an expert anymore because to be fair, I am like eight years out of practice for like medical field stuff right that's I'm fair entirely wrong these days but as far as ice swelling, contortion all that it's, it hasn't changed in 100 years and i don't expect it'll change tomorrow mm-hmm. and so i can help somebody stay stable or whatever and so at our local field they say all right if somebody calls blind man which is our safety word the only people moving on the field should be one of the reps or matt and i'm like yeah thanks but <laughs> uh i would help obviously if somebody took one of those really especially nasty injuries Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly I think I wasn't there for like the worst injury at our field just the kid broke his leg uh, but we suffer a surprisingly small number of injuries for the insanity that we get up to like they do allow us to like slide across the cars in the arena and stuff oh,
0: wow. and
1: uh, and more than once I have run into an object at a full sprint and just bounced off of it uh, but surprisingly we haven't had any like serious serious injuries in, in the two years that I've been playing there
0: well, I mean that's not a thing to complain about. I mean, uh, it's uh it the people not getting hurt is as far as I'm concerned is great. Yeah. It certainly keeps people out in the medical profession um, uh, you know, out of a job, but I think there's lots enough enough people getting hurt in other yeah, places that absolutely. if it doesn't happen at Airsoft we're, we're content. But you talk about the insanity that that you get at at your field like what are like the like the regular games like versus the actual like true insane games or are they the same?
1: Uh Well, we obviously play a bunch of different game modes, and it'll be dependent on how many people are there on any given time. Uh, For example, Friday nights are a hit or miss. We'll run from six to midnight, and sometimes we'll have 10 dudes, and sometimes we'll have all 60 that the the place will allow to play. Uh, Saturdays, we almost always sell out, so I want to get my ticket beforehand to go play. And then we'll run a whole slew of game types over the six hours that we play, right? Uh, And we'll do the 20-minute games, 10-minute breaks in between, sometimes up to half an hour. And the way they'll run it is they'll start with basic games, right? We'll do a team deathmatch just to make sure that both teams are equally set up. Uh, or I am guess they're calling it force on force now. I don't know why, whatever. Uh, that's the way they do it. And It's then, more
0: serious that way.
1: <laughs> yes, all right, yes. It's super serious and professional. And then yeah. they'll rearrange the teams uh, based on the rentals and who's not on a team and who doesn't want to play together. And then we'll try a second round of team deathmatch to be sure that that fits. And then from there, they'll move into, uh, objective based games. Uh, and it is a fairly large warehouse that we play at. It's called CQB city It's in Stockton, California, my number one place. I don't like the other fields nearly as much. Uh, and then we got some vehicles in there. There's a bunch of buildings in there. There's the mansion that I told you about a few sniper towers, including one at the top of a chicken coop, which is my favorite place because nobody ever expects you there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we'll start off with like a bomb delivery, right? And well, one of the cars will be the target. We'll take a an empty propane tank or a, uh, a fuel tank and run it across the map, and then chuck it through the window of the vehicle. And then, oh, we blew them up, we won. And then there'll be hostages. They actually have a couple of dummies, and they have a a jail in one of the buildings where they have a cell. And they'll say, okay, you guys have to go rescue the hostage from the jail, right? And we'll all run in there and. And then one team will defend and try to take the hostage back to the mansion so they can execute him publicly. And we're trying to get him back to like the spawn point so that we can uh, save the guy, right? Do an old, you know, little blue on terrorism. Insurgency? And I'm going to terrorism. Anyway, so the point is they have to get him like back to the mansion and onto the stairs for the public execution. And the other guys are trying to rescue him. And then after that, we'll go to things that the the chef or the reps have been working on that they feel like might be a good idea that like a hostage move a VIP across the map through an ambush or whatever. Or there's we always do the the assault on the mansion because you can put 12 dudes up there, give them each three lives, and then send 30 dudes against them and it'll last a half an hour, 45 minutes before all of those lives are spilled on each of them, right? And then like the ones that get really crazy are like the dual bomb delivery, because then you'll have both teams like fastest dudes running across each other in the middle of the map, trying to get the bombs that they inevitably get shot and drop. Right. Mm-hmm. is me and the same dude will run into each other and we'll shoot each other and we'll, we'll go back. And then the next dude up will like go for the bomb and oh, there there's a guy going for the other bomb. And then you got people jumping and sliding around. We have a school bus that you can go in the front or the back, which is a lot of fun because you can charge and like jump up in there really quick if you're slick. Yeah. And then suddenly you've got awesome cover for shooting everybody out the windows. Right. It's hard to shoot somebody through a school bus window. Uh, our craziest was specifically, I remember one of those mansion attack games and I was on the assaulting team and there were 12 dudes all in their multi-cam mm-hmm. with their radios and their call signs. And they were very fancy and cool. And they held us all back for about 45 minutes until we managed to get right up against the thing. There were eight of them left upstairs with no lives. Like each of them only had was on their last live. And I chucked my, uh, EG 67, which is a pyrotechnic grenade up through the window and it landed right between one dude's legs, and it killed all eight dudes in the room, and we won.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. So, so what would you say? Like, what is the 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 most fun that you've ever had playing Arasov? What 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 does that look like? What game would you say that is?
1: Uh, for me, it's an objective game where we win, and then it devolves into force on force because that's invariably what happens when we win early on. Uh, I sent you a video, and the very vast, last frame of it is me going, "Okay, I did it." I killed him. We won, and what happened was we got the hostage, and I shot him in front of everybody, and then I threw him down. And we, and then after that point in the video, there's still 20 more minutes of force on force where we all went ah, and they're like, "Wow, well, you killed our buddy. We're going to kill you." I'm like ah, well, let's shoot each other a bunch. <laughs> and so that's my favorite is is that because then I have the feeling of a, of a goal, right? Besides just pop these dudes because they respond because force on force gets tiring, right? It, yeah, it, it, it gets boring. Uh, I like to have the goal, but then I do like to have a little bit of just unleash on these guys without worrying about where the objective or the bomb or the hostage is
0: okay um so i want to come back to like the the silliness aspect of it what when you look at the like the community that you play in i'm going to guess that not everyone is in that same boat as you are right
1: now there's maybe me and like two or three other dudes who occasionally will wear like a hawaiian shirt but for the most part you've got the 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 teams that are all set up in the same color. You got the speed softers with their big HPA tanks. And I'm like, how do you run around with it? Like, like your propane tank on your back. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the hoodie guys with their basic gear who just come to have a good time and, and play sports occasionally, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it, it's I would say like 40% of the more serious camouflage dudes, and you got like 40% of hoodies and HPAs, and then you got like Twenty percent rentals, and I'm somewhere in one of those, depending on how everybody's feeling. Right. Uh, personally, I'm not a big fan of speed soft. We have a few speed softers, and you know, you can recognize a speed softer at a glance at some fields. At ours, you certainly can, because uh, they'll wear all the colored gear. But I don't think that's silly so much as a, a statement of speed softing. Like they'll all have your red magazines, blue magazines, which at first seem kind of silly, but then you're like, oh no, it's just a team thing, right?
0: Right. So what would you say is the distinction between what you do and Speedsoft?
1: Uh, I'm actually, I'm not a big fan of Speedsoft. They shoot a lot more than we do in, in just the regular CQB and we just call it Airsoft. I, I know there's a term for it that you guys have put out before somewhere between Milsim and Speedsoft, but-
0: Milsim adjacent.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're Milsim adjacent for most of it. And then like, Yes, I look silly, and occasionally I'll charge forward with my shotgun, cranking all 10 shots out, and then admitting that I'm dead, right? But most of the time, <laughs> I'll take the cover and stick behind it, and even though they can see me, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to do something silly about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a speed softer is going to go, I'm behind cover, and that I've been sitting there for way too long, and it's time to move on, and oh, now I got shot 1,800 times. I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I have played with speed softers who are forced into our situation, into a, a, the larger CQB field, and they don't like it, and I don't like running into them because they'll oftentimes come into a room, clear it with BBs. Like, they'll literally come through the doorway, and you're like, oh, man, that would be cool in speed stuff, but it sucks here.
0: Yeah. Well, it, and it's interesting. I think what it what you're talking about really showcases that, you know, people, th- people it's, it would be easy, let's say, for someone in my position to look at someone who's coming into the field like you in a Hawaiian shirt, um, and like, you know, a, a, a P27 helmet or whatever, and going like, oh yeah, the dude's speed softer, right? And really what we're talking about is this, is the distinction between what you're wearing and how you're playing, and that's two very different things, right? Right. Yeah, so there's there's another thing I wanted to ask you about, and this is sort of changing gears, but this is a question that I that I'll often ask myself, because one of the things we've talked about in the past is like hesitancy and sort of, Knowing when to go and when not to go, and also being concerned about getting hit. That's something I've talked about with Chris and Pat before, and like being worried about getting hit. And my assumption has always been that when you have someone like yourself who has a, a different background where you have been exposed to, dare I say it, real danger, right, that you're not going to be afraid at all on the airsoft field. And, and by afraid, I don't necessarily mean fearful, but I mean like physiologically, you're not going, oh no, I'm not going out there kind of deal, do you know what I mean? Is that something uh, that you, rings true for you?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I noticed that I move forward before most of my team usually does. Uh, I noticed that the other couple of bets we play with do the same thing usually when they're playing. Uh, when you're not actually worried about real death, the BBs are nothing, right? Like, you run out and you get hit a few times, but it could also gain you a tactical advantage for your team, and then you have a win that way. And, like, we go out there knowing we're going to get hit, but in the next five minutes, it's gone, and we're moving on with our life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, like, I, I honestly, like, no, I'm never afraid of getting hit with the BBs. Uh, maybe it's because I played as a kid. Uh, I don't know. I never had a real issue with getting hit. Like, I'll I'll leave the charge if it lets everybody else open up on the guy who gunned me down, right?
0: And so I guess my, so then my question for you is like, so what does your thought process look like? So you're in a situation where, um, so obviously the emotion is not a factor, right? Because, uh, for me, like, and what's interesting is in situations where I don't think about how I'm feeling, I'm doing just fine. But in situations where I'm like, oh my God, like I'm going to get hit or whatever. That's when everything goes to, goes to shit, as they say. Um, But so from your perspective, like when, you know, there's a risk there in terms of like getting hit or or whatever, what does your thought process look like? How do you process those situations?
1: Well, I'll I'll stop and I'll think, is there any reason for me to run out real quick? Like there's no reason for me to charge if I'm not helping somebody else move up or move an objective, right? Mm -hmm. I can sit and hold and wait for teammates because I'm not a one-man army. Uh, And that's the first thing, right? Because I'll generally, as we're doing objective delivery, I'll be way out in front of everybody else and I'll either get pinned down or killed real fast. But once I'm out there and like I'll respawn, come back, take an eye on the field, see how everybody's doing. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So I see these guys pinned down over here. If I can go out and loosen up their, the whoever's got them pinned down a little bit by being a target or by causing some confusion or getting some attention, then I can do that, right? And then I stop and think, okay, I am actually a big, obvious target. They probably can't hit me from here, but if I start moving, I'm gonna cause something, right? Mm -hmm. either my dudes will move up behind me or it'll cause them to move up a little bit to try to hit me more. And that's my, that's my goal is well, I'm having fun when the game is moving. Right. And so that's what every part of my thought is. We don't want a stale stalemate or a lock in the middle of the thing. Everything I think about doing on the field is about getting my team moved up to the objective to do whatever. So, uh, I guess that's, that's my process. Will this move us up? Should I do something about it? Will it matter if I run out there and blast a bunch of BBs or am I just getting silly?
0: Yeah. And it's so interesting because I think as we've had this conversation, my perspective of how you were playing Airsoft based on our conversations and stuff like that we've had on the discord and and whatever, has changed completely. Because you're always posting pictures of your, well, now gone, but at the time, magnificent beard. um, And like your, you know, your play carrier with all your like your, your cheesy motto bullshit on top of it and all whatever else you've got going on, right? Um, oh, dude,
1: I'm hella moto. Are you kidding me? Look at that.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? But like, so you look at those pictures and you're like, oh yeah, this guy's silly. This guy, you know, um, just goofs around on the field. And it's funny because based on our conversation, like it's quite obvious that yes, you goof around on the field, but only in the context of when it makes sense to do so. And everything else that you do is actually very, um, it is well thought out and laid out. It's like you've got sort of, there's, for, and I hate the expression, but in this case, I think it does apply. There is method behind the madness, right? It's not just complete randomness. It's really interesting.
1: Oh, well, exactly. Like I, like I said, I'm out there to have fun with my boys and I want them to have fun too. Like it's a great sport for me. I get exercise. I go out. I get to see my friends. I get to apply a skill I already have. And so I'm having the most fun when we're competing and everybody's like, when it's going back and forth, one team's winning hard, the other team's winning hard. I like that. It's a lot of fun for me, right? Mm-hmm. And so aside from the fact that I do love it when somebody says, hey, nice shirt or whatever, it does give me a tool on the field that I can actually think about. Like I am the most attractive, like obvious dude. And that gives me actually an option to be like, I can draw all the attention to a certain spot. Like the same way you can think about using an, a machine gunner to draw all the fire onto him. Like I'm sure you guys have used Pat in the past. Mm-hmm. Is I can go out there and you see, this shirt and you see the shotgun cranking off at you as full slam fire, people are going to stop and they're going to look at you and be like, what the heck's going on over there? And then they fling a bunch of BBs my way. But that literally unlocks my whole team if they're willing to take that opening.
0: Yeah. So and I, I think ultimately what, what actually all of this is boiling down to for me is that you can be very, you can be in a very effective player. You can be the, even the clutch player on your team, but that doesn't mean you have to take yourself seriously. I think is the, uh, is the 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 mantra here right
1: yeah absolutely dude like there there are the people who for them it is the serious business and they need that for them and i you know i'm not gonna yuck their yum whatever blows their skirt up right yeah Uh, but just because that's not my style doesn't mean i don't like them doing it or whatever i have a great time with everybody there uh but you do need to talk to people and see how they're going to work with you instead of just looking at them and assuming that they are a certain one. Because I have had people who I've looked at and said, ah, well, there's a speed softer. He's probably a, a douche canoe, right? And then later on, he'd be like, right next to me. He's like, what do we need to do here? I'm like, oh, I didn't expect to see you. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, the best thing you can do is communicate with the people around you and get to know your players and your team and everybody else around you because that's how we can all have the most fun. Like, And that's the whole point of sport, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can't agree with you more. Well, listen, Matt, I, it was, it was amazing talking to you. I love the perspective. Um, and I, I just, I absolutely love these conversations that start one way and, end like in a completely, completely different place. Like that's awesome. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: I was happy to be on at any you want to ask me a few questions. I'm happy to, if you want to do this at a later date, when you have more questions and you know more things, I would be happy to do that again. It has been a delight. and You guys are great. Uh, what is it? What is you always say near the end? Keep I don't know. Honestly, I listen to you a lot at work.
0: <laughs> well, listen, I I you know I reciprocated. It was a great conversation. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. Um, you know if you want to have conversations with Matt too, like he's available on Discord. So jump in and he you know we can you know ju- uh, take part in conversation with us, and we'd love to have you in our community. But uh, until then, I got nothing else for you. So take it easy. We'll talk to you next week.